to Insurance Town. I'm the Mayor Heath Sheeran and the host of this podcast. You know, today I'm super excited because my guest today is someone who has been in your shoes, been in my shoes, sat at all desks, so to speak, in an agency and, and knows the struggles we've been through. And she has started several scratch agencies <laughs> on the independent side and the captive side. She's been through the pitfalls of owning an agency and working in an agency and trying to get those procedures and those processes in place and going through the trials of what works and what doesn't work when bringing in new business and what works and doesn't work on renewals and how to handle things like that to the point where Jeff She, the owner of Quantum Assurance, reached out and brought her on board and wanted her to be their director of education and development. And that's exactly where she's at now. And it's a great spot for her to be in. And this episode is a great listen because you're going to hear some tips and some tricks and some ideas and things that you can implement in your agency right now to be successful in all of these things. And again, I cannot wait to introduce you to my friend now, Caitlin Agar. Hey, Caitlin Agar. Agar, right? It's Agar. Good morning. How are you, Heath? (laughs) I am good. And I want to say Agar so bad. Agar. I get Agar a lot. That's okay, too. So you can tell when someone calls you that doesn't know you because they call you Agar, then you're like, all right, I'm going to hang up on this sales call. It's the first clue. (laughs) (laughs) I get that a lot. People call me Sheeran or something like that. So I get it. What so, is the right way to say your last name, Heath? I want to make sure I get Sharon, it right. Sharon. Sharon. Like the lady's Sharon? first name. Sharon. Sharon. Easy enough. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. He, yeah. So um, <laughs> now that we've gotten our pronunciations <laughs> right, I'm sure that was enjoyable for the audience. But um, <laughs> so won't you do this for me? Let's walk down memory lane and let's go okay. through your, your history, your past. Let's just walk down there and let's enjoy a little stroll together down memory lane. Absolutely. I, I, Definitely have some memories that are popping up that I, I wouldn't mind sharing. I've been in insurance about nine years now, Keith. And when I look back on it, I think it's been a pretty wild ride. It's been fun. So uh, I actually started as a captive agent and with a you know, great company. Um, my husband and I opened a captive agency about nine years ago. And that was our, our first taste into this wild adventure that is the insurance world. Okay. What were you doing prior to that? I was in uh, retail sales management before that. Day one, I was a 25-year-old with a really strong sales background, really strong management background for someone my age, because I started managing retail stores and clothing and cosmetics when I was 18. And so I had seven years of sales and management because I decided to take my degree online. So I was able to really knock out two birds with one stone. I really feel like it helped me get a leg up in the business world because I was a couple years ahead of my peers when it came to leadership, um, the things that managers are responsible for having these like huge sales goals that you experience in the sales world. I had been really successful in sales. Uh, I worked for an Estee Lauder brand and the year before we became one to two years before we got into an insurance that year, I was the top salesperson globally for that brand selling high-performing natural skincare and cosmetics and just rocking the skincare world, you know, mini facials all day long and just making sure that my clients were happy and walking out of the store with a full skincare line and a full, full face of makeup. <laughs> so I did really well with that. 
but it was actually, it was a really challenging job because in the, in the retail world at that time, um, the economy wasn't doing great. Transactions in the mall were down, but sales goals were up. And uh, I pushed really hard, really stretched my team. I, at one point, I think the highest um, amount of hours I clocked was 98 hours in a week. And this is while I was going to school online. So it was a crazy intense time. And I really learned a, a lot of just the fundamentals of sales and management just by do, rolling up my sleeves, doing things the hard way. So when we opened our first agency in the insurance world, I had no clue about insurance, but I knew how to sell. I knew how to connect with clients. I wasn't scared of picking up the phone. I knew how to recruit. I knew how to interview. I knew what needed to be in the handbook. I knew other things. I had transferable skills. <laughs> and I think this is one of the biggest reasons that I'm so passionate about recruiting people who are not in insurance yet, because it is this best kept secret that can really change someone's life. And there's so many people out there in other industries right now, Heath, that have amazing talent. They just don't know that insurance is right around the corner waiting for them. Um, we were actually, uh, we had crab legs the other night at this place in Annapolis. We're, we're on the road right now. And um, I started talking to the waitress about what we do. She asked what we do. I started talking to her about quantum and telling her like what a great industry it is to be in right now. She was talking about how slow things were in the restaurant, how hard it is to get hours. And so that, that's something I just, I'm always looking for great talent that just doesn't know about this amazing opportunity. And so I was able to to easily start contributing with like on-campus recruiting, managing our, our staff. Um, but I had to figure out this selling insurance thing. And what that looked like was that day one, when we opened our first agency nine years ago, I got licensed. We opened the agency two weeks later, and that's all, all that I knew about insurance. And uh, I, ha I had to figure it out as I went along. A lot of trial and error. I, I started out with filling out the little fact finder worksheets <laughs> and, um, I started by cold calling. I had a list where literally day one in the office, it was like, okay, pick up the phone and start cold calling these people. And I had this amazing client named Jake pick up the phone. I love Jake so much because here I am trying to talk people into getting a quote with me. And Jake's like, oh yeah, yeah, I need, I need a quote for my car and my house. Oh, I have a motorcycle. And oh, by the way, I heard I need an umbrella too. And Jake was like 27 or something. I was like, Oh, wonderful. Well, we'll do a full risk review. And I'm trying to figure this out. And um, I sold Jake all of those policies after about two weeks of quoting him. Because every time he asked me a question, I was like, Oh, that's a that's a great question. I'll I'll just I haven't heard that one in a while. I'll reach out to our underwriting team and I'll get back to you. So it literally took two weeks to finish this. Um, so you you were faking it, it till you make it. Oh, faking it till you make it. Smiling and dialing. You know the drill. Oh and yeah. Oh yeah. Sales. Yeah. Sales started coming through. Mary was the next one. We uh, some of the first people that we hired on were telemarketers from the local community college. We did on campus recruiting. Got some people to sign up to be telemarketers and. I wrote, we didn't have scripts to give them. I wrote scripts and um, I actually still have some of them. They were terrible, but we didn't know that at the time. <laughs> it was worst scripts ever, um, you know, because you think everybody's going to want to quote when you first start. And the numbers that we were told to expect were not real life numbers, I think. So we, had, we were just figuring it out. But the telemarketing team was sending over a couple, a couple people for quotes. I, I sold a lady named Mary, car, home umbrella, just trying to figure it out. 
But one of the things that I made sure I did was I kept them on the line as long as I could. And I was, you know, not afraid of a no, not going to take no for an answer, you know, happy to sell them on the value and why they should do business with our agency. And um, it was, it was a lot of touch and go in the beginning days. Um, you're trying to figure out everything from your leads to what you're supposed to say on the phone to how do you service these people that you just brought on board when you have, you're still trying to build up a team and, and then the internet would go out and the phone, the phone lines in this like cute boutique little building and you know, this cute little downtown area, the, the phone systems would just go down. And so we were like, well, we, we can't like not be selling. We, right. <laughs> so, um, so we just started going door to door in the local neighborhoods. And it turned into this whole process where we were like, if the phones go down, we have our lanyards, we have our clipboards. <laughs> it wasn't iPads or anything fancy like that. And we would right. literally like have a map and we knew who was going to go door to door where. And we just knocked it out. Hi, we're your local agent. And we want to rent some quotes for your car and your home. Make sure we can save you some money. And uh, like, it worked. We got quotes that way if the phone lines were down. Um, I don't know how much the team loved it. It was hot. <laughs> so right. Um, but but you ha we had to do those things to make it. And so sure. we, tried, we tried everything. Tons of, tons of involvement in the Chamber of Commerce. Tons of local events. The town we were in um, at the time, Geneva, Illinois, is it's like so cute, quintessential, adorable town. They have something every summer called the Swedish Festival. And tons of people come in town for this festival. It's like six days long. You can pay to put up a booth. And it was pricey. It was like at the time we were like, ah, that's a little out, you know, um, out of the budget. But we would put up a booth and sign people up for quotes that way. And we would be out all day long, six days, just getting quotes. We tried some things that worked. Uh, that one was really effective. And we tried some things that didn't work. So, so you're, um, you're in Pleasantville, yeah. in Pleasantville yeah. at the local festival and your, oh, yeah. your booth. We've all been there. We've all done that. That's a grind. Who wants just, to save some money? Right. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. that's great. <laughs> so we, we certainly weren't afraid to put ourselves out there. Uh, yeah, we, one of the things we tried that was a major fail was like morning coffee days where we had like, we printed this banner and put it outside the office because we were on like this busy street through town and like stop for morning coffee. And like, people don't want to stop for like Keurig brewed coffee. Like <laughs> they want to go through like the Starbucks drive through. So it really, it didn't take us long to figure out that with as much time and energy that we were putting into local networking and going to events and being in the BNI groups and all of this stuff that we really needed to work our, our digital leads. And so we really started doing that early on in year one and working internet leads and figuring out that whole game. And I think that if we hadn't just ripped the bandaid on that and figured out how to sell internet leads, I don't think we'd be where we are today. Yeah, and so I think so, that definitely made a big difference. Yeah, internet leads is such a fascinating thing because back then, nine years ago, even eight years ago, it's a different ball game than what it is now. And so many agencies now will say, I'm not doing internet leads, that is so 2008, or all you're going <laughs> to get is... All you're going to get is non-standard auto or all you're going to get is, you know, the, the business you don't want. Um, and so, but you're telling me differently. And obviously we're going to fast forward to that when you get into quantum. Yeah. But back then yeah. you were selling insurance off of internet leads a lot. 
Oh yeah, it actually became our number one lead source by far within the first six months of our agency being open. So it's something that we, we've really leaned on for a long time. And what was nice about it was because I was new to insurance and I didn't know what to expect. I was just like, oh, I have a person on the phone. This is fantastic. So if, they were, if, it, was, so if it was the worst lead ever and they were like, I didn't request a quote, or that person doesn't live here. I would just be like, oh, perfect. I'm so glad we connected because I'm going to save you some money on your insurance today. So tell me, what kind of cars do you drive? And like, it, to me, it just, I wasn't expecting more than that. And so I think we were able to figure out a, a pretty good a strategy over time on how to work, um, whether it's an aged lead or a new lead and what was working and what wasn't. One thing that didn't work was we, we bought a lot of renter's leads. Year one, we sold... 400 renters policies, which when you're outside of Chicago and nobody has a car, <laughs> isn't great for, you know, retention. And the next year, literally the next year after that, um, the captive carrier we with changed the criteria for the, the bonus and they were really expecting heavy multi-line. <laughs> and we were like, oh, oh no, we have like a 50% multi-line because we sold 400 renters policies. So we, we had to pivot and fix that really, really quickly. Um, and then a couple of years later, I, um, I became an, an agency owner with the same captive and um, had that book for four years. At this point, we'd really, you know, we'd really gotten our feet wet. We had a, a great team. The team was growing. We had, you know, some key telemarketers. We had sales, licensed sales, and we had some, some licensed service. And we, uh, we did great. We were inner circle elite um, four years consecutively, just every year. And um, the, the team did really well. I'm still so proud of them. They, it wasn't a really great climate for insurance at the time. The rates with the captive were very, um, they were, there weren't super competitive. Close ratios were 12 to 15% at best. It was definitely in one of those like downturns. You know how insurance had, it's like a a wave or a roller coaster, as someone probably say. It wasn't at one of those peak times when things were like, you know, best close ratios. Um, but that, that agency had really great retention processes. We took great care of our clients. Even though we had built it off of internet leads, that agency had a five-year total auto and home PNC retention of 91% at the five-year mark. So even though it was built off of digital leads. So I think the key is in the experience that you create for the client and the processes that you have to, to keep them after. So how do you go from being a rock star, top of your class at a captive to independent and then take me to that journey to where you ended up now? So you were rocking it and then you decided to go independent. How, how does that compute? Absolutely. Well, there, along the line, we, we, this was before we had kids, right? So right. I, now I have a five-year-old and a six-year-old. They're so cute. And um, once we started having kids, we were like, well, where do we really want to live? And, you know, there's pros and cons to every state. But I think we started really thinking, like, what about a warmer state? <laughs> and right. So um, we, we moved down to Texas the year that my agency or was the best in region for the Midwest. My Allstate agency was rocking it. We moved to Texas and we, I'm at this like peak of the game, you know, the career's going well. I'm managing that agency from afar. 
So I was like, okay, I'm managing remotely. I'm going to go ahead and sell it. So I sold that one. And in that transition, I managed a startup captive that was producing really high volume, like crazy numbers that people have never seen before. Um, And in that transition, that's where I learned the key principles that I needed to know to go from just running like a really great insurance office with really great processes and a really great team and what it takes to actually scale. And I got a taste of like what a mega startup is because um, my husband and I have always done startups. We've never purchased a single policy. We've always done startups that we've had great successful ones, but it took us a couple years to figure out the game and to pivot from a great quality startup that's hitting what the captives goals are for us having our own goals for success and changing what we expected success to look like. So at one point, I thought that having a team of like eight, nine, 10 people or, or having two offices or having great retention or hitting inner circle elite, I thought that meant that I was a successful agent. And when we really started seeing what was possible, the whole conversation changed to why don't we have 20 or 25 people? Why don't we have 50 people? Why don't we have 100 people? So those so you were started. you were limiting yourself before in your thought process of and what you thought even, was yeah and you didn't know that didn't you were doing that to yourself didn't even and know so it. once you start so, getting outside of that box and thinking you know it doesn't look like this it could also it could be double that it could be triple that that's when absolutely. you're saying took off huge paradigm shift so this huge mindset shift is happening and. Up until that point, this whole independent world conversation, just it would just bounce off. If somebody, I didn't even consider it, like not even on the radar, not interested. Why would I be, right? We were doing just fine. And so you think of like a beach ball and just like bouncing. Like if somebody mentioned independent, it would just bounce. Not interested, right? And yeah. during, it took that mindset shift to happen first. And then when these, you know, reps would be reaching out, I started to think, why am I okay only offering one brand, one brand to my clients who I care about because Jake and Mary that I told you about when I sold that agency, they were still with that agency. So I cared about them. Right. And the people that had, you know, been, we could have never had a successful agency without our clients. We cared deeply about our clients. So at one point I was like, Whoa, you know, maybe, maybe I'm thinking about this wrong. And what about my team? I'm here to help them grow professionally, but also personally. I want them to be able to buy their first homes. I want them to be able to make the six figures. I want them to be able to be agency owners one day. But I'm asking them to build all of that off of one brand and the closed ratio with one carrier. Am I making it harder for them to be successful? And so at that point, it just became clear, hey, I need to go figure out this independent agency world thing. So I opened up an independent agency. And we started from scratch and I brought over about eight people and they had never sold more than one brand before. I mean, none of us had any idea what we're doing. So we really had to just figure it out again. So we we had some of those moments where it's just like, ah, so we had to get carriers. We had to, you know, get those carrier appointments. It really was a lot harder to get carrier appointments than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. A lot harder. You're just a glutton for punishment with these startups. (laughs) Oh man. Oh, it's the only way to go. Heath. It is, it, <laughs> you you yeah. have no idea what kind of fun you're missing. So day one in a startup first sale, you close 
there's like a confetti cannon going off. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> it was fun, but um, it, it took a lot longer to get the really good carrier appointments that I was looking for in the carrier product suite that I wanted. Um, so, but even with us having no clue what we were doing and starting out with, you know, starting out with no carriers and then just building as we went, you know, we had to get a carrier on board, start selling, get another carrier on board, keep selling, you know, get another carrier on board. Um, that agency did a million dollars in the first 90 days. And so, um, wow, that's that, huge. It's huge because this wasn't a team that had ever sold, um, the, the independent sales conversation. It's a different conversation because you're, you're trying to navigate the client to find the true fit for their family. Right. But you have the Raider that's this tool that you really need to use so that you know what their options are. It gets everything going but it traps you into being transactional. And so we had to learn new talk paths, new ways to begin the conversation, new ways to have the coverage consultation and the carrier match. And really Raider strategy is a big part of what the um, quantum university education program focuses on because in the independent world, if you make it all about price, it's going to become, a thorn in your side. And well, so they I always thought, say if you win on price, you're going to lose on price. So that's something oh, that I've always preached. And sometimes it's a tough conversation to have because so many independent agents, so many agents in general, they think that that's the only way. If I don't sell the lowest price, then the guy down the street's going to, and I'm going to lose. Right. And so price is absolutely a factor. We sure. care about the price. We care about it being competitive and a fair price. And the, the, but the right fit for the client based on what they need for their coverages, based on what discount options make sense for them. You know how some, some they qualify for, some are optional. That's a whole conversation. And we have to get to know our clients and have meaningful conversations or else they're just going to feel like they called a call center. And that's not what we want them to feel like. And so I think that our, at Quantum, we're an independent agency that has call centers and, and an agency channel. And one of the reasons our call centers are so successful is that we've implemented things that make agencies work really well into call center processes. So for example, we don't have call handle times. We're not like, hey, make sure you hang up that phone in 17 minutes. Um, you can be on the phone with the client as long as you need to so that they're still getting that personal experience. Um, I had a, we have a new team member that started this summer and she had a one call close recently that took her four and a half hours. And that's encouraged. That's not discouraged <laughs> with us because okay. clients still deserve that personal touch. Sure they do. And I think that's fascinating because with the, the day and age and the efficiency talks and the things like that and trying to monitor how much time you spend touching clients and how much time it takes to, to bring on a new client, people are, you know, a lot of people say that would be a bad move to take four and a half hours to get one client because of the money and the, the time, but you say otherwise. Well, would you rather spend four hours with them now to get them what they need or follow up with them for six weeks and have five 30 minute conversations while no, <laughs> they're looking for this exactly paper? Right. Exactly. So it's all about showing up for your clients. So whether this is an internet lead that came in, whatever kind of client that is in front of me right now, I have to show up for them and I have to bring more to that experience than any of the other agents in town that are calling this person who also want their business. And so if I'm just like, oh, I saw you want a quote. Do you want a quote for your car? Okay, is that for the Toyota Highlander? All right, well, uh, I work with like 40 carriers. So let me take a look here and shop you and we'll see, we'll see 
what we can do. That's the same experience everyone else is giving them. And it's going to result in you spending a bunch of time and you get to the end and the client says, oh man, well, you know, thanks for shopping it for me. Can you email it over? And so... And then they take that quote and they give it to the next guy. Exactly. So internet leads aren't <laughs> worse. They're just harder because... The, you, the person's not face-to-face, -face, but they still care about the experience. They still deserve uh, the personal touch. And we have to teach our agents to actually slow down and get to know their clients. So your talk tracks, as you call them, uh, they're a little different then. They may start the conversation, but then from there, you allow your team to have the freedom to ask different questions, to kind of go off track a little bit, or is that specifically strategized in your talk tracks to lead to some of those longer conversations? Both. So we have our quantum hallmark signature sales process is called Selling with Purpose. And this is what Quantum University was built around. This is what I do for Quantum. I'm the Director of Education and Development. And we developed an in-house virtual onboarding learning experience for team members at Quantum, whether they're with the direct channel or the agency channel, that walks them through a strategic value-focused sales experience. It's about how to create a buying experience for the client. It's about how to have a client-focused conversation that empowers the client to end their shopping journey today. So there's absolutely a game plan. You know, you wouldn't, a coach wouldn't send their team out onto the field without having practiced some plays, right? So there are, is absolutely a right way and a, a wrong way to do some things in the sales conversation. There's absolutely some things that you have to do that might feel counterintuitive, that might feel out of your comfort zone, that might feel like it's going to take longer, but that you absolutely have to do to be successful. But when it comes to building rapport and building that relationship and really getting to know your client, there's a lot of freedom for creativity there, right? Like bring your personality to the table. But if you don't have a strategy for how this call is going to flow, you're not going to be able to create a buying experience for the client that empowers them to make a, a great decision for their family today. Sure. Now, and I love that you're saying these things and that you're going down this track with me because I'm interested to know in your training, as you said, director of education, is that what you said your title was there? That's right. Okay. So in some of that, do you do a lot of role playing or do you do, you know, some of that other stuff or is it more of just scripted out and then you tell them, get creative, do your thing, you know, talk about what their interests are or whatever, or do you do the role playing? So great question. Quantum University is all about an onboarding program that uses adult learning theory to create an experiential based learning process. So that means we have to combine a lot of different tools. So what we've done is automated a large part of the sales onboarding experience for a new team member or a new agent. I think automation is crucial when you're scaling and expanding at massive levels. So you have to figure out what can I automate? And that's where videos come in with instructional knowledge. It's like, here's exactly what you need to know. But for someone to absorb that information and synthesize it and be able to make it a tangible reality in their life on the phone call in front of a client, we can't just stop at videos. So we have lesson plans for the onboarding pro sales coaches that work with the teams of new team members and agents to guide them through the experience. So they have 
hundreds of videos to watch that teach them exactly what they need to do to be successful, exactly how to build rapport with clients that are from different walks of life than you are, maybe the business owner, maybe the retired person, for example. We teach you exactly how to work your client referrals without ever having to make it about gift cards or even if you don't know a mortgage broker, all of this stuff that they need to know. But we have to get together and have group discussions. We do a lot of role plays, a lot of practicing our pitch. And um, we do a lot of call calibrations. We use a tool that it's a system that uses machine learning to crack open the call, provide a transcript so that our sales managers can see exactly what's going on in the conversation. Because then they can provide targeted coaching that makes sense for where that person is at if they're hitting on what they need to hit on, where they missed, why they lost the sale, but they're able to do it in a few minutes instead of having to put on a headset, search for a random call, listen to it for 40 minutes, and you're still not sure what happened. They're able to click to the point of the call that they need to hear. So if all they need to do is work with um, Jerry on his closing talk path, they can literally click to that point of the call. It'll show in transcript and audio exactly what happened. And then they can converse back and forth within the system or live on the sales force. So I think call calibrations are huge and having the visibility into what's actually happening on the phone calls so that we can coach our team to really be the best that they can be. And it makes us so much more efficient. So to, to get back to the, the bottom line answer to your question is that we combine automated sales onboarding with the in-person or virtual mentorship with a real coach that is your, your go-to sales mentor. And so throughout this process is the onboarding for a new hire, whether it's call center or an agency, how long is that process? Is that a 90 day or is that a one year or is that a 30 day? How long is that onboarding process? Great question. So ongoing education is really a root value at, it's a core value at quantum. We, quantum isn't who we are without continually investing in the personal and professional growth of every single person in our ecosystem. So there's always ongoing resources, live workshops, on-demand videos, one-on-one um, -on -one calls, mentoring programs, and things like that. But for a new person, the structured program is a month long. At the end of the first week, if they pass their content, you know, and their manager signs off on it, they can begin closing business at the end of five days. But the journey doesn't end there because there's still so much to refresh on, expand on, and build on so that by the end of month one, even someone who's brand new to insurance can really hit the ground running. It's all about shortening their learning curve because if we can help our agents bring someone on board, have a game plan for success. They have a way to see when this salesperson is going to become profitable. Then you can hire on another salesperson. If you have a producer that is a million dollar a year producer, you can bring on two more producers at least, right? And so once you can figure out how to crack that code of getting that salesperson up and running with the shortest learning curve possible so that they can dominate in this independent world conversation, how they can beat out that competition and show up for their clients better than anybody else out there, you can just keep hiring more salespeople. And that's how you scale your agency from five people to 15 people to 20 people. And you just keep that, you keep climbing that ladder. Sure. And so let me ask you this. And if it's something you can't share with me, just let me know. We can edit <laughs> this part out. But I'm interested to know, okay, so to get these people 
selling at the clip you're wanting them to sell at, at, at these large volume numbers, are they compensated with a, a salary plus or they have incentive laden deals? Like, tell me about that as, as people are listening to this and don't maybe have a mega agency or a large agency as Quantum, you know, that motivation, I was a salesman at one point in time. And so uh, in, an, in a great agency, but I'd be interested to know what that compensation looks like for you guys. Absolutely. I think it's so funny you say that, Heath, because I think one of the top two questions that we get is, how much should I pay my salespeople and what should their yeah. sales goal be, right? I mean, that's, the, that's like, just like, tell me how to pay them and are, how much are they supposed to be selling? Because you hear all because the numbers. Because it's tough. And yeah. it's tough to compare different so, like Arkansas, where I'm at, it's totally different from Chicago or from Dallas, Texas, or, you know, Milwaukee, wherever you're at, that's going right. to be tough to compare those numbers. But a general idea of what you guys are doing may help the audience that's listening. Yeah, absolutely. So I've tried every comp plan in the book. I've paid off of items. I've paid <laughs> off of premium. I pay, um, so at, at the, our, our quantum direct employees, they get, uh, and it's amazing compensation package. So they're getting their base salary, they're getting commission, they're getting tiered bonuses, they have a full suite of benefits. So it's like, who wouldn't want to work there, right? It's awesome. Um, but quantum agencies are totally free to choose whatever comp plan that they want. So we have a, a recruiting team that helps them get in front of the right talent, but it, then they have total freedom to, do, to use what works for them. Because I can't tell you how many agents say, uh-uh, you know, I'm doing, you know, this great commission plan, you know, 100% commission works for me. It always has. Great. Like, don't change that. That's awesome. Um, but there was a time that, like I, I, I told you guys about how we started out with a boutique insurance agency nine years ago. We didn't offer health insurance benefits for years. So I've been there. I know how hard it is to recruit when you are trying to make ends meet. I've been there. So start with what you can offer what you can and where you can't you have to compensate with an amazing team culture and there are absolutely people out there that will catch your vision and want to be a part of something big and want to be a part of something different and i think the main reason that people joined our teams when we weren't able to offer the health insurance was they 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 wanted to they were tired of being like a small fish in a large bowl <laughs> you know and when you join an agency you're a massively impactful person on the team. Everything that you do matters. It's not hard to make waves when you join in an insurance agency. So to our um, producers that are listening right now, if you're in an agency, um, the best way you can make money is to close those deals, get that commission rolling in, max out your commission plans, max out your bonuses, make sure you're not leaving anything on the table, but think big picture and think about like what, what can I do to really, you know, bring as much value to the team that I, I can as I'm growing? And the more successful your agency is, the more that that's going to change and grow over time on your team. No, I, I love that. And I appreciate it. And so I appreciate you letting us in a little bit, pulling the curtain back just a little bit on some of that. Um, and so the, does your, is Quantum or agencies you ran, do you have agents and then do you have staff that does the back office or that does the, the support work? the hard work, the, the stuff that, that keeps the agency running, and do they work off of an incentive-laden plan as well? Absolutely. I really think that's where I want to focus today because every person listening has a different set of resources available to you right now, right? And right. I've been in that place where the, as the agency owner, I was the person handling the recruiting and the HR 
and the marketing <laughs> and the operations and the sales management. And so what I would recommend is a couple different things. One, start by specializing your agency. Now, many of you listening probably have already started by specializing sales and service. Um, that's great. How can you further specialize it down from there? So if you have a service team, do you have different departments within your service team? Like this person's going to, going to, yes, we all take incoming calls, but this person's responsible for the welcome calls. This person's responsible for the home inspection reviews. This person's responsible for the midterm renewal reviews. This person's responsible for premium increases. So you can further specialize it down so that everybody has a really clear direction and it makes it easier for you to get visibility on what you need to see to wrap your arms around the data and drive change in your agency. Um, the other thing you can do is with the recruiting, I think one of the first things that we started to do is try to delegate out a good portion of it just because it's so time intensive. So when you put out an ad and these people apply and you start calling them and like half of them don't remember applying to your agency and you're trying to, they're not even licensed, you've just spent hours and you're saying like, how, how do I get in front of the top talent, right? And the real answer to that is you have to cast a wide net and you have to have somebody that has the time to be able to take their time with every single one of those people and tell them all about your agency and sell them on why they should apply to you and, oh, let me answer your questions about the license. And so for me, what that looked like in my agency um, several years ago, like before we had a recruiting team that does all of that now, the first thing I did was I found the person in my office who was like the champion of the agency, um, Kate. Kate, you're probably listening right now. You're awesome. And I, I delegated the, the phone interviews to Kate before I ever had a re recruiting team. And I'd say, okay, when somebody applies, here's what we're looking for. Here's a process for the first conversation. We had a form like, this is what you talk about in the phone interview to figure out if they might be a good fit and if we're going to move forward. And she would just get on the phone with them and talk to them and tell them all about the agency, what an amazing place it was to work. And this wasn't what she did full-time. She was a full-time client care retention specialist, but she would spend a certain, we would time block it out and she'd spend a certain portion of her week handling the phone interviews for me. So it wasn't an extra cost. What it did was it, it took all those hours that I was spending on that, that I could then devote to these other things that were things that only I could handle. And so then that gets Kate more engaged in the agency. Oh, yeah. And she's bought in even more because she feels like she's a part of what Absolutely. you're building. Absolutely. So if Huge you're listening to that, that's, that's great advice. If you've got someone in your agency, you can offload that off of your own plate because so many principals I talked to that as you, you were there, um, it's daunting to have all that weight on your shoulders to not only carry the sales, but to handle the service, uh, especially in small agencies. And sometimes you're handling the claims and you're hiring, and you're firing, oh, you're doing all of it. Right. So if you have one of those employees or two employees, or if you've got 20 employees, but you can pick out that one or two that can handle that, that's great advice. It's a great starting point. And it just, it opens up your bandwidth to be able to tackle so many of the things that you already know. They're already on your radar. You already want to do them. It's just that the day goes by so quickly. I don't know how many times we look down and it's six o'clock. We're like, oh my gosh, how is it six o'clock? How do we get here? So Yeah. And some days yeah. feel like an entire week. <laughs> some, especially, some days, especially when you're handling claims. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's great advice. And so, um, anyhow, so as you were talking through that, um, keep going. You said you wanted to, to plant here for a minute. 
keep going with some of that advice you wanted to share. Absolutely. I think that um, having one of the things that every agency that's listening to right now can implement without really spending another, another dollar is really defining what the management model and coaching model looks like in your agency. This is something that call centers use. And I mentioned earlier that our call centers learned a lot from agency life. And it's one of the reasons that they're so focused on quality and personal touch. But agencies can learn a lot from call centers. And one thing that call centers do is um, they're pros at something they call schedule adherence, which it makes us twitch a little bit just to say it, right? Because we're used to just, you know, winging it and making happen what needs to have happen. But when you have a strategy for how the day is going to flow and who's going to do what, you can prioritize the tasks that have to happen. So what that looks like is thinking through what's the coaching model in our agency, when and who. So if it's, it's it, maybe you, if you're the agency owner, maybe a key person in your agency, when are we listening to calls with our team live and, and being there on the spot live to provide coaching feedback, right? Somebody's got to be doing that. And when are we doing call calibrations? When are we doing team meetings? When are we doing huddles? And once you define that, and once you identify who's responsible for it, then you can hold that person accountable to it. Whether it's yourself, whether it's a sales manager, whether it's a team leader that you're growing, you have to define when that sales coaching is going to happen. And also service coaching if you have, you know, with your, your client care retention specialists, of course. But once you define what that management model looks like, now you have a plan, you have a flow to the, day, to the day, that's what's going to happen. If something else, you know, slips and doesn't make it happen, you know that you invested in your sales team and in your clients that day because the coaching happened. So creating that coaching culture, that culture of feedback within the agency starts to create a culture where your teammates are growing and getting stronger and building their skills every single day. And what you'll find is that they'll become better salespeople. They'll become more confident. The more deals are closing, the happier they're going to be about their positions. Um, the, the more that confidence is going to build and you can start to change the dynamic in your office. So put on that wireless headset, walk the office, shadow those calls, have the huddles, do the role plays, but define what that's going to look like when you're going to do it so you have a plan because you do have so many other things on your plate. Um, I usually recommend starting the day out that way from like 9 to 11 so that you know you got it done um, because then you have the whole rest of the day to handle the, the claims and putting out the fires. <laughs> that, that and I, yeah, I think that's important to do that, whether you call it time blocking or whatever you call that, but to be intentional with that time that you block out for that especially those right now, as we've learned over the last five months of how to work from home and how to be in that, that office, whether it's in your bedroom or in the living room, or you have a dedicated office in your house, it's tough not going into the office where you have that environment. And now you have to learn how to block that out. And that's been tough for all of us, I feel like. But as you learn that, this is something that if you've already got that implemented in your schedule, that's got to make it easier on your folks working from home. They already know for these two or three hours, I'm doing this. And for this, I'm doing that. And so uh, I think that's good advice. And I really feel like another piece of that, and maybe you, you can agree with this and maybe you could talk about this a little bit would be to have some accountability in some of that. Absolutely. A accountability is all about visibility. You have to get your eyes on what's actually happening. We get busy. We forget to run the reports. Um, we don't, have the time or the technology to take the deep dive into the sales or the service calls to see what's actually going on. If they're actually carrying through with the, you know, the, the values of the agency, the, the techniques of what we've trained them to do, or they may have forgotten, they may be getting busy. So 
when you get visibility on what's going on, it makes it really easy to hold somebody accountable to that. So accountability doesn't mean you're getting scolded. It doesn't mean you're getting fired. It means, hey, Friday at 11, bring me your best call for the week and tell me what went well and what you need to work on. Or, hey, um, Thursday at one o'clock, we're going to sit down and I want you to bring me a sale where you were saving the client money and you didn't close it. And we're going to figure out what happened. What, you know, what's the, the root cause that you lost that sales. You have a clear plan of one or two things to work on, on your next calls. But if you don't have the, that call in front of you, if you don't have the, the data in front of you, it makes it really hard to have those conversations. But when your team knows that you're going to ask for it, then they're going to be ready, right? So if I tell my team, hey, at Friday, they know that they have, will have a weekly touch base and they're going to tell me what projects they tackled, who, you know, what meetings were most productive, what their accomplishments were for the week, how much they produced, then they know that's coming and it gives them that little extra drive to stay focused because they know we're going to sit down and we're going to chat and we're going to go through all of it. So getting it all bubbled to the surface is the first step, whether it's you running the report or having the person that's responsible for it running the report and then reporting back to you. So if you are able to implement those processes now, what that does is it sets you up for success if for unknowns, because I think one thing that COVID taught us is that nobody saw it coming, right? And all right. of a sudden, we were working from home, or now you have half your team working from home, or maybe, you, maybe you're an agent that has three satellite offices, so you can't be in all of them all of the time. If you can get a coaching model in place, if you can get a um, visibility on, on the data that you want to see, and they are already in the habit of bringing it to you, then it doesn't matter whether you're in the office or if you guys were working from home. If something changes and in the fall with flu season or something happens, we all need to be working from home again. What if you already had a coaching model? What if everybody already knew we do morning huddles at 845. So we're all going to meet on zoom and chat for 10 minutes before we pick up the phones for the day and start selling. What if that was just already a habit and then they just already knew and it wasn't like texting everybody to be like, Hey, when's everybody available? Maybe we should have a team meeting. They just already know it's already part of the, the flow. And so it makes it really synergistic. <laughs> did you just make that word up? I, I made it up. <laughs> I think you did. That's, that's got to be a made up word. But, you know, back to, you know, we talk about accountability and we talk about that visibility. But I do think that accountability, you know, I'm glad you said what you said, but I think a lot of people look at accountability as a negative, like someone put their thumb on you. But I also think that accountability can lead to mentoring and can lead to, a different ball game altogether. And when you have a mentor in your agency or have someone to hold you accountable and to bounce ideas off of and to, to strategize with, I think that's huge too. And I would imagine that, you know, someone has done as much training as you have, you have to believe in mentoring as well. Absolutely. And what I love about this is this is something that with, whether you, you might be an agency owner and it's something that you do every day or that you have a, a sales manager, a leader in the office that does every day, but if you're a producer, you don't have to have a title to be somebody's mentor. You don't have to be a t have a title to set a great example or have a great conversation or be an encourager or say, hey, let's like, we have people that will meet up for lunch to practice things or go over things together or whatnot. So that, that's something you can start doing now to help out your, your friends and your peers and your colleagues and people around you that are trying to be successful. And that's what's so rewarding about all of this 
is that we're doing the right thing by the client. And in return, we get to have this amazing career and these amazing opportunities. And the, the opportunity in insurance is massive. It's life-changing. And if we devote the time and the energy to it, if we grit our teeth and we get done what needs to get done, we'll see the fruits of that. And one of the most rewarding parts of that is, yes, being successful, owning your own agency one day, but then guess what? Then you get to provide that same career opportunity to people in your community that are in the shoes that you're in now. And that's the end goal. That's the end goal is that you get there and that you're then able to make that happen for the people that you care about. And so when somebody comes on board with our team, we take it really, really seriously what, what their success looks like. We take it really seriously that no matter where our paths may, you know, cross or, you know, maybe, maybe we part ways one day, we want them to be better off for having worked on our team and being a part of this than if they hadn't. And um, so anyone listening to this call can create a life-changing opportunity for the people around you just by showing up for the people around you every day and bringing your best and setting the example for the mindset. Don't be the complainer. Don't have the negative view. You're here for something bigger. It doesn't matter if that person didn't pick up the phone. It doesn't matter if you got stuck with a lead that, you know, wasn't the one that you wanted today because you have something bigger in sight and you're not going to let that stop you and you're not going to let it throw off your mindset because you can't get where you want to go without the belief that what you're doing is bigger. Look at Caitlin Agar inspiring all of us out here. And uh, I love it. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. And um, you know, this phone call is going way too fast. Um, so I, I wanted to get in a few more things real quick. Um, I do have, okay. Earlier on my ADHD is kicking in. So Earlier on, <laughs> you mentioned um, Raider strategy, uh, and I wrote that down because I wasn't sure exactly what that meant. And so before we get off of this call, uh, my listeners know I'm ADD, and so I'll bounce around a little bit. But can you tell me a little bit what you mean by Raider strategy? Because a lot of people out here are using different Raiders, uh, whether, whatever your name brand is you mm -hmm. use. What, what does Raider strategy mean to you and how do you train on that? So we've used a couple of different Raiders and a lot of the people listening today are independent agents that work with uh, multiple different brands. You have options to offer for your clients. Now, depending on what kind of lead you're working, maybe it's a referral and you're like, hey, you know, here's how I'm going to help you today. Or an internet lead comes in and you're like, hey, you know, what, what has you looking to change insurance? Okay, here's how I'm going to help you. I think a lot of independent salespeople are the people that are out there talking to the clients every single day. They're trying to figure out where they take that conversation from there, right? And what feels most natural is to be like, well, let me introduce myself. I'm Jake with Quantum and I work with like 40 carriers. So I'm going to shop your rate. I'm going to help you save some money. And so I'm going to take a look here and, and let me, let me see what I can find for you. And then you go in, you start entering the information and the rate is supposed to give you an idea of which carriers might be the best fit so that you can bridge over and do a, a full risk review. Right. Right. But the, the Raider is tricky. The Raider is there to trick you. It's there to trap you into a transactional conversation that's going to shoot you in the foot because it's going to ask you, how much are you paying for your insurance right now? What are your deductibles? What, what is your liability? What's your collision? What's your comp? So the client pulls out their deck page. They read you what they already have. And then it gives you these preliminary prices. 
So then you feel like you should tell them what's going on behind the scenes and be like, so it's looking like it's going to be at, you know, 1500. Oh, but if you do telematics with this company, it'll be this much. And so all of a sudden you have a really price focused conversation. that's really confusing. That's all about your carriers instead of about your client. And so start thinking about some ways. And you're only you selling the top three and you're only selling the ones that, you know, show up in your writer in the top three to five uh, and you go to the most. And like you said, you're focused on some of the things that maybe you shouldn't be. Right. So instead of doing that, try something new this time. Next time you pick up the phone, try to make the first five minutes all about the client. Try not to make it about you or the agency or the carriers yet. You're going you're gonna to build value throughout the conversation. You're going to answer the questions as they come up. You're going to bring it up when it makes sense to. But for the first five minutes, just make it about them. What has you looking to change insurance today? Who, who are you insured with right now? Tell me, tell me about that. So in addition to your price going up, tell me, you know, what else concerns you about your insurance? And get to know them so that then you can tell them how you're going to meet their needs. It's not all about us, right? So if they're like, well, who are you? Where are you calling from? Great. Introduce yourself. Tell them what you're here to do. But don't make it all about you because there's lots of other agents out there that sell multiple brands, right? That's not your main selling point. Your main selling point is your professional expertise and that you care about them. And so, so make it all about that. I, and I, it, I'm glad to hear you say that because there's people that are going to be listening to this. And I know you're out there, listeners, and I know you're, you're thinking this, but you don't want to say it out loud. We couldn't hear you anyway. But, <laughs> you know, you're thinking this high volume like yourself, and y'all do, you know, several million a month or whatever it may be in sales. I think Jeff was telling me the number and it was astronomical. But they're thinking in their head right now, when you have that high of volume, you've got to be just going through and just turning and burning. And you don't care about the client. And you're just selling so high paced that you don't have time to get to know your clients. But to hear you telling your process – you do care. You do spend that extra time. And so that's a, a paradigm shift for me in my own head of thinking mm -hmm. some of these people like yourself or Goosehead, these mega agencies that are turning high volume numbers. You know, I know they're thinking it of how can you really get to know your clients when you're selling that high a volume? Well, there's, there's definitely salespeople out there in the world that they take the low hanging fruit, right? oh, this was a bad lead, they weren't really interested, or oh, they just wanted a car quote, they didn't want a home quote, or oh, they just want to save money. <laughs> so it can be tempting to churn and burn the leads as a salesperson because yeah. you're, you're just thinking like, I got I to gotta keep rolling, I got to get the next, you know, I got to write that next policy. But don't, don't be the person that only takes a low-hanging fruit. Be the person that cares about the client that's in front of you right now as if they're the only client you're going to talk to all day long and show up for that person. And don't expect them to be talkative. Don't expect them to come to you wanting a multi-line quote. Don't expect them to necessarily be concerned about more than price. It's your job to create that experience for them and with them. And that, that means we're going to have to get a little uncomfortable. It means we're going to have to try some new things. It means we're going to have to stretch a little bit more. But if you do that... You're going to have a whole lot more fun because you're going to get to know your clients. You're going to have great conversations with them. And let me tell you, a, a 40 minute or an hour long conversation where you're chatting with a client and you have rapport and you guys are laughing and they know you way more fun than a 17 minute, like here's the rate for your Toyota Highlander. Completely different. You're going to have, you know, you're going to have so much more fun. I completely agree. And yeah. I couldn't, I, I couldn't agree more. 
And so I'm glad to hear you debunk that theory that people think that if you're high volume, you don't have time to get to know your clients. Or if you have volume, your retention's going to suck. Or if you're high volume, there's a lot of things out there that you've debunked for some people that are listening to this thinking those high volume salespeople, they don't have time. Or if I want to be a high volume agency, I don't have time to really sit down and touch all my clients and really get to know them. But it's good to hear that you can do that. Be the curious person. Be the person who asks all those questions. Like you can think those questions in your head, but don't assume that you know the answer. Don't assume that it's um, churning and burning or don't assume that it's all commercial business. Be the curious person and ask. Don't just guess or don't just tell yourself. Don't make an excuse for yourself and be like, oh, that person down the road, they're probably just selling state minimum. Be curious and find out. Try to learn something from every agent that you come in contact with. Um, Any opportunity that you have to learn from others, take the good. Don't assume the bad. Be curious, ask the great questions, and then learn from what they're doing really well. And then you'll become really well-rounded. 100%. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, I'm going to have to have you come back on, and we're going to talk, because I I missed so many things on my notebook here that I wanted to talk to (laughs) you about in our our conversations that we have had. You know, um, you you and I are both talkers, so we could go on for a while, but... um, just to be respectful of my listeners, I do want to wrap up, but I want to give you some time here, like I do every week lately, and I love this part. We've talked about a lot of different subjects, and we've really dr- drilled down in some things that I wanted to know about, but I want to give you the floor for a couple of minutes, two, three, five minutes. I'll hit mute and let you kind of go. Take the floor however you want to go with this, and I-, I want you to take this time to educate us, inspire us, you know, whatever you want to do in this two or three minutes. The floor is yours. Uh, Have fun. Absolutely. We're so blessed because there's incredible opportunity all around us right now. Don't be tricked into thinking that 2020 is the worst year ever. (laughs) A lot of of really challenging things have happened in 2020. And you might be one of those people listening where you've had COVID. Someone you know has had COVID. You might have lost someone due to COVID. So you have had... uh, horrible year and it came out of nowhere it um it this year i think definitely gave us whiplash right so i my heart goes out to all of those people that have been personally impacted by this virus because it's so out of our control and it's so terrifying but as we move forward and as we just make every day the best day that it can be we have to make the decision that today is full of opportunity i have all the resources around me that i need i can carry my family forward through this we're there's so much good happening and so try to put your sights beyond what the virus is trying to make the focus. Yes, it's serious. Yes, it's heartbreaking. Yes, there's been devastating loss that will never come back. But we can choose to put our sights on what else is true. Yes, it's true that it's devastating, but there's more truth to that. There's great people in our lives that still count on us and need us. There's people we can show up for. There's clients that have been impacted by COVID that we can help. There's moments that we can have with our families that might be different than what they looked like last year. Make the most of those moments and just have it top of mind. You know what? I'm going to, I'm, this year was rough. This year was tough. This year was hard. So I'm going to squeeze out every positive thing out of this year that I can. I'm going to make it count. I'm not going to let the virus have the last word. And so do your best. Reach out if you need help. There's agents all around you that want to help you. 
pick up the phone, reach out to me. It's education at quantumassurance.com. I've been coaching and mentoring agencies for years, you know, happy to talk to you. I don't charge for that. You know, if you're in that tough place, reach out to somebody because there's so many people that want to help. And if you're one of those people where like, you're making it and things are okay. And you're like, you know what? I'm, I'm charging forward. Look around and find somebody that you can help and be alongside of right now because there's so much good opportunity still out there. There's still those moments where we can still have those, um, those meaningful times with our families and um, with the people that we show up for every day. Thank you so much for sharing that. And, and I love that time to give my guests uh, an opportunity to share from their heart and what's on them without me guiding it with questions. So thank you so much for doing that for me and for my audience. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. We've laughed, we've learned. It's been cool. Thank you so much for taking some time with me. Thank you guys so much for listening to my conversation with Miss Caitlin Agar. I really hope that the content we brought you makes you a better insurance professional. And I hope that we added value to your day today. And I really appreciate everything that you guys do for me. I appreciate the feedback and the support and the downloads. And if you have not subscribed yet or haven't told anybody else about my podcast so they can subscribe, please do that for me. It would mean a world to me. It would mean absolutely the world to me. This episode, along with all my episodes from day one, 23 episodes ago, which is crazy to me, that we have done that many episodes, it means the world to me that you guys have supported me, have been brought to you by my man Ryan over at Ready, Set Podcast. He does a phenomenal job. If you've got an idea for a podcast, it's so easy. I was talking to somebody the other day, a realtor actually the other day, that was telling me he wanted to do the same thing. So I'm going to introduce him to my man Ryan, and I want you to do the same. His web address is Ready, Set, Podcast. My bad. GetReadySetPodcast.com. That's GetReadySetPodcast.com. You can find him on Facebook or Instagram or anywhere on social, I would imagine. And if you haven't checked out his stuff on Evergreen or listened to his podcast of mine on, on Evergreen, man, he does some good work with the Enneagram. A little sidebar there. Check that out, too. Uh, Get Ready, Set, Podcast. Turning your brilliant ideas into a reality. Thanks, guys. I look forward to hanging out with you again next week.